0: Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today, we're kind of going to do a continuation of last week, the morality issue. Uh, we got off the podcast or got done recording, I guess, and I immediately messaged Cecily, oh, I forgot to say like one of the most important things that I wanted to touch on. And then she messaged me back, oh, we forgot this too. And so we're going to continue on with that topic a little bit. But first, I know I keep coming back to the vaccine subject, but there's a lot happening right now with it. And... I'm pretty fired up today, <laughs> so <laughs> I will warn you, but there is something I want to discuss. So just first off, lazy reporting. I am tired of people with millions of followers just reposting headlines and never telling their people anything informational, really, or never having a discussion. It's just reposting headlines and then people tag me in them, and I'm thankful for that because I don't see everything. Um But then often I have more to say than just, oh, yay, because I think I think a lot of times people get annoyed with me, like, why can't you just let people be happy when something good happens? And what I'm talking about right now is the healthcare workers that were denied religious exemptions in North Shore um, Hospital in northern uh, Illinois, Liberty Council uh, won a lawsuit, I think, for $10 million, a $10 million settlement. And everybody's very happy about this. And I talked about it a few weeks ago, but I guess maybe a bigger news outlet picked it up. And so now it's back in the news again and everybody's um, sending it to me and tagging me in it. And my original comment a few weeks ago was, this is good, it's something to be happy about, but Mm. it doesn't address um, the fact that all these nurses and healthcare workers that were fired also, um, or for not getting a religious exemption, Regardless of whether they got an exemption or not, if they did, they would have faced discriminatory um, action against them. Even with an exemption, mm-hmm. every nurse in Illinois um, that works at a hospital healthcare facility was having to be tested weekly if they had a religious exemption if they were not vaccinated. So you're still subject. And some hospitals, like mine, put the extra measure of N95 and threatened, you know, increasing your uh, your um, healthcare um,
1: premium. Premium.
0: That's the word I'm looking for. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so um, it doesn't address the discrimination. And I think that this hospital in particular had a blanket denial and mm-hmm. not one of the fake set up uh, committees like my hospital had where they denied some and approved some uh, with no criteria really as evidenced by people who turned in a flu denial or a flu um, exemption rather. Uh, would get approved and then denied on their COVID exemption with the exact same language or vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what I want to talk about this in reference to lazy reporting. Okay. I might regret this, but I'm going to, because I don't normally call people out specifically. I normally just say what I want to say and leave them be. But David J. Harris Jr. Okay, I follow him and I like some of what he says, but I've been fed up for about a year now with his lazy reporting. Like he literally just reposts headlines and doesn't go deeper, does not help his people learn. And that's what's lacking. You know, these Mm -hmm. conservative commentators, they want change. But they do the exact same crap that the liberal commentators do mm-hmm. and earn money off of it. And they know that they have 1.5 million followers. So they don't really have to do much more. They can just repost something that gets the attention of their followers and it's all they have to do. And it's well, frustrating. Anyway, right? Yes. And it's frustrating to me. So anyway, um, he reposted this about the healthcare workers denied. And this is the caption. And I read it and I was just immediately like not happy. It says, the tides are turning there is a shift taking place. Everyone that was fired over the mandate needs to take a stand and sue. We, the people are rising up. And my first thought was, okay, first of all, everyone that was fired over the mandate needs to take a stand and sue. (laughs) I've been out of work for a year and you want me to go hire a lawyer. And I'm not saying that that's impossible, but like you're asking me, like we have been taking a stand. What in the heck do you think that I have been doing for the last two years? Like Mm -hmm. since the beginning of 2020, I have been taking a stand. We have been taking a stand. Us losing our jobs was taking a stand. So that sentence made me feel like, oh, you think now we need to take a stand after like sitting there and doing nothing forever. Um, Why not call out the government and politicians and the hospitals that did this and call them out, Call call on the lawyers to be reaching out to people, you know. Don't just call us out like we haven't done anything. Call out the people who did this to us. And I don't want to sound like a victim here because I know it's my responsibility to take a stand and I will never, you know, shirk that responsibility. Mm -hmm. But when you're somebody who was not affected by this, don't be calling out the affected people to be the ones doing something about it. You know, when we have
1: literally been doing something about it. Does that make sense? It absolutely does make sense. And it goes back to what we talked about a few weeks back. I think it was the one that we called we deserve an apology or something along those lines. It blows my mind how the politicians, the lawyers, the government in in general, the hospitals, um, and I hate to say it, but the public who went along and supported what is ultimately discrimination that was not evidence-based at all. The more time has Mm -hmm. gone on, the more that has been proven over and over again. Those never was
0: evidence-based and now
1: it's obvious
0: to everyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And people are just trying to quietly move on and to pretend Mm -hmm. like, oh, we'll just, we'll just move on. And then there's people like this man that you spoke of who are calling for, yeah, the affected people to stand up. But how about the people that made this happen in the first place, man up and make an apology.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the suing portion, I mean, maybe I should sue, but I literally tried to get lawyers at the beginning, you know, because I thought that was probably the right thing to do. I didn't want any money, even told the lawyers I spoke with, like, I don't want any money. Um, Mm -hmm. I just mainly want to help set a precedent that this is wrong. Um, And nobody would take it on. No one would take it on. And people keep tagging me in that Yoder, Mike Yoder, um, his. Post because he keeps saying, like, call me, you know, I'll help you. I emailed him like, like October of last year, heard nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get on his email list though. I got started getting a bunch of emails from him, you know, oh, scripted ones, but I didn't hear anything from him. And so I'm just saying, like, <sighs> some of us really have tried, and it's very frustrating a year later now being told, oh, just get a lawyer. And the other thing is, like, well, there's a couple other things, but the other thing is, we are being allowed now to rise up. Mm. We're not rising up all of a sudden. We have been rising up, and now the government's allowing it. They changed the CDC guidelines Mm -hmm. for their benefit because elections are coming, right? Mm. Um, They're not, you know, taking a step in the right direction, as people say. They're taking a step in the direction that is right for the politicians Mm. and sweeping Mm. this all under the rug, like you said, acting like it never happened. Now holding the hospitals and healthcare systems responsible for the decisions that the government like, force their hand to make. And again, like I said last week, I'm not letting these hospitals mm. off the hook. They absolutely could have stood up and done the right thing from the beginning, and they did mm. not. Mm. Um, but they are now being made to pay these settlements for these lawsuits that the government yes. forced their hand yes. on. Yeah. And it's going to further collapse an already collapsing system that the government has been salivating to take over for years and years and years. And so we have a partially socialized medical system. That's why we can have a CMS mandate, right? Because Mm -hmm. the government can withhold payment on Medicare and Medicaid services and people need to understand this, but it's not fully socialized. And the government and politicians have been salivating to push us to a fully socialized system for years. And the staffing crisis And now suing all these hospital systems, it's putting pressure on a system that is already under severe Mm. pressure. Mm. And don't you think for a minute the government doesn't know exactly what they're doing? And so this is what torques me off on the lazy reporting is the fact that this guy has one, I know I'm picking on this one person. It's not just Mm -hmm. him. It's so Mm -hmm. many of these conservative commentators. Like, how can you not see this? How is this what you see? You know, we the people are rising up. The tides are turning. No, they're not. They're being allowed to turn, okay? And you have to be able to see through this and be able to help
1: people see this. Yeah, okay. There's so much that I want to say based Sorry. on that. I know. No. I'm like, I feel that like I'm was, yelling, but geez. You were on a soapbox, but you you rocked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to go to the part where you say these hospitals are now being forced to pay basically because of what the government forced them to do, Right. Yeah, that's true. And that's evidenced also in other things like look at the Netherlands farmers or the Canadian farmers or, you know, they mm-hmm. are being forced to pay for something that the government put into place years ago. And now they're the ones paying the consequences for it. OK, so that we have to be able to see that these things that are happening in healthcare, things that are happening in other sectors, they are not standalone issues. These things are all connected because they're all being done by the people who choose to run things in these destructive ways Mm -hmm. the other thing is the mandate effect you know we had that episode i don't even know how long ago now we called it the mandate effect we talked about how it's like the butterfly effect right and how the mandates had an effect on or we're going to affect absolutely everyone and now we're seeing that to be true and you're saying your system is partially socialized well here in canada it's fully fully socialized and i can tell you these mandates have had an incredible impact on even the people that supported the mandates, right? That's what we were getting at in that one episode is that even if you're a staunch supporter of these vaccine mandates, you will feel the effects. And that is happening. It's happening in the US. It's happening in Canada. And everyone is paying the price. Everyone is paying the price. Yeah. And the whole being allowed to rise up thing too. Like that's actually going to play into what we're going to talk about later with morality as well. Because the issues that, you know, the cultural issues that are happening that are helping people to determine their morals, whether they're right or wrong. The moral issues are the ones that are being allowed and pushed, right? And we're going to get into that more later, but all of these things are happening because all of the same problems are coming down to the same evil, dirty Mm root.
0: Yeah, absolutely. While we're on the vaccine subject, I should mention also today, um, it's Friday, we're recording. Um, It came out that a judge... Blocked the military from discharging Marines who objected to the COVID vaccine mandate mm. on religious grounds, also. So that was a big headline today. Mm-hmm. I'm and I want to reinforce the fact that I'm not saying these things are bad. These things are absolutely yes. good. Yes. But just know the, <laughs> the evidence, yes, the evidence was there for this long. You know, these things that happen long before now. Yeah. And these things are happening now for a reason because it's of most benefit to the
1: people in charge, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say on that? No. No. Okay. We have a sponsor for this episode and it is the new kid in kids' Bibles. That's Kaleidoscope Kids' Bibles. So I was having a dilemma, you guys, is my kids were too old for the storybook Bibles, but their reading level hadn't quite caught up to adult Bible translations, which are written at a high school level. So I was trying to figure out what to do with that tricky in-between stage. And that's when I found Kaleidoscope Kids' Bibles. So what they do is they help kids and parents bridge the gap between the storybook Bibles and the adult translations by retelling every book of the Bible at an elementary reading level in beautifully designed single volume chapter books. So our family loves these. They are so cool. And the best part is that you can buy them all individually, which is what I did, or you can pay $8 per month and get each book automatically delivered to your door. So that's six brand new books every year for half the cost of Netflix. If I was in the US, I would have done that, but it's not an option in Canada yet. So check them out, you guys. It's readkaleidoscope.com, and you can take 10% off your order with the Code boom clap.
0: Yeah, guys, you will notice we're gonna have a few sponsors here and there now in our episodes. And I just want you guys to know this is important to me that you know these are people that are companies and people that we have reached out to mm-hmm. because they're products that we actually use and like. Um, so we will never promote something to you that is just, you know, hey, they're gonna, you know. Give us an ad for our podcast. You know, we're only going to tell you about things that we actually find valuable. So super excited. And thank you, Kaleidoscope, for being our first sponsor.
1: (laughs) Yes, we cannot wait for you guys to check out these kids' Bibles. I'll share about them on Instagram. I'll share some pictures and videos of what they look like so that you guys can get a feel for them.
0: All right, let's start talking about the morality subject, the things that we missed on last week's episode. If you guys missed that episode, go back and listen. We've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. Uh, But one thing that I messaged Cecily um, right away afterwards, like, darn it, I forgot to mention, like these cultural issues that are basically hacking away at our moral foundation um, in each of our respective countries aren't even really our ideas like I know there's nothing new under the sun and these issues are as old as time like everything from you know um, the gender issues to you know abortion like all of these issues are old issues they're not new it's not like somebody else came up with the idea all of a sudden and planted it in culture that's not what I'm saying but the making of it to be so mainstream, and the cultural war surrounding the ideas planted, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're not really our ideas, they're planted ideas. And an example of this I have, I was on the World Economic Forum website, um, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, but when you go to their homepage, it's a list of like articles, like highlighted articles, and they had, I scrolled. And scrolled, and it was probably seven, eight articles deep about the same subject about the gender Mm -hmm. inequality in the workforce and the wage gaps. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of articles on one subject. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, what is the goal here? Is the goal actually to, you know, remedy gender equality or gender inequality rather? Um, or fix wage gaps, or is the goal to get people fired up about it and arguing about it? Like, it's clearly a goal to make this an issue for people, right? You wouldn't write that many articles and put it as your, um, you know, homepage unless you want it to be an issue in the forefront of people's minds.
1: Absolutely. And that's what we see all the time, right? We see these things shoved in front of our faces. And That's the thing that I was regretting that we forgot to bring up on last week's episode on morality is if you are on social media in any form, the only social media that I'm on is Instagram. So I can really only speak to that. But if you open it up and go to your explore page, or even if you're just on your primary feed and you are going through and scrolling through the suggested reels that I come across, and Rita, you've said the same, mm-hmm. they are of these same issues that are being pushed. Like you said, there was like however many articles deep on the same topic, seeing the same thing on reels, or we're seeing super, what I would describe as inappropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the exact word I'm looking for. I don't know why it's eluding me right now. What is the word I'm looking for? Inappropriate. I would say inappropriate. Yeah, inappropriate. But there's another one I can't think of. Anyway, it doesn't matter because inappropriate covers it. But and it's amazing, because I don't seek those things out. And if they come across my feed, I certainly don't click on mm-hmm. them and watch them. Yet there they are. Whereas things that I would like to see on my feed, like goats or something, <laughs> they're not coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's just really interesting. Like, we have to notice that things are being pushed into our face. Yeah, it's like the
0: powers that be want us tempted away from a strong moral foundation. That's how I feel about those reels. Mm. I know I had screened, I think I actually screenshot it and sent it to you the day we recorded last yeah. week. Um, it And I pulled up an article because I was like, is there a way to take these suggested reels off? And mm. so I pulled up an article and it was like, yeah, you can get rid of them by going to your um, reels button at the bottom and clicking on that. Mm. And then just um, when you see a reel you don't like, you hit the three button, um, the three dot button and click, I don't want to see any more of this. But the interesting thing was like the suggested reels for me are those ones that when you're scrolling in your feed and there's like three or four across, like really small. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. But then Mm -hmm. when I go to the bottom and click that reel button, I'm not seeing any of that stuff. I'm seeing like, the stuff that I actually do watch like I wasn't seeing mm-hmm. any that were inappropriate but in that four real button across or that four real thing yeah. across in my feed it was like guys it there was one of a woman laying on her bed in a thong um mm-hmm. like a guy I don't know some shirtless guy which no big deal a shirtless guy but it was just like the moves and like actions he was doing i don't even know how to describe it but it's like not what i want to see in my feed it's like not stuff i would seek out it was obviously there to like try to be a temptation to whoever's on the other end of the screen and i was just like you know this is not good like we already have a problem with you know pornography and things in culture and there you are like you don't know who's on the other end of the screen maybe trying to break a habit or something you know maybe it is something somebody that would be easily tempted. And yeah. it just was very frustrating for me when these started popping up because I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not, it is. It's just tempting us away from a moral foundation or trying to.
1: Yeah, and so you had said like, clearly that it's the powers that be that have are trying to sway us with these things and that could very well be but i also think these social media platforms are putting these things out there in plain view because they know that they're addictive for people yeah right yeah and that's going to keep them on the platform Mm -hmm. and that's disgusting it is disgusting um yeah actually i was listening to a super interesting podcast yesterday it was the joe rogan podcast really bad language. It is amazing how many F-bombs that guy drops. I can't imagine talking (laughs) like that. It's it's, it's crazy. But anyway, aside from that, a super great podcast. He had Seth Dillon on. Seth Dillon, he's from the Babylon Bee, Uh you know? Anyway, so I was super, I don't often listen to Rogan's podcast because they're really long. They're hard for me to get through, but I really wanted to hear that one because I know that they debated abortion a bit and stuff. And anyway, at one point, um, Seth Dillon had asked Joe Rogan, because Joe Rogan was talking about, you know, basically the dangers of the digital world. Right. And so Seth had asked him, like, do you let your kids on social media? And Joe was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, that's the real world. That's the world they live in. to not let them on social media is like the modern day equivalent of not letting your kids listen to rock and roll. Which for a second I was like, oh, that's an interesting It is an interesting thought. But then, sorry. I said what it was is that? an
0: interesting thought.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thought, but at the same time, it's totally different, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's so much more that happens visually on social media, right? That was not present in rock and roll. Um, so so I was the really interested. That, h- that
0: hated Elvis.
1: Elvis the pelvis, (laughs) right. (laughs) That's exactly what I think it was Joe Rogan brought up Elvis's pelvis. (laughs) Um, But anyway, it's the more I thought about it, because that, that, that sentence that he said, it swayed me for a second. But then I thought about it a little deeper. And I was like, no, there's some very real differences. And Seth Dillon highlighted some of those differences as well. But anyway, I forget exactly where I was going with this point at the beginning. But That whole podcast was really interesting to listen to, especially after we recorded on morality last week, because Seth Dillon is a Christian, right? And so it was really interesting to hear him talk with Joe Rogan, who is not a Christian. And they do agree on a lot of things. They agree on a lot of things. Abortion wasn't necessarily one of them, though Joe was able to see some of his perspective on that. But it was really interesting because last week we had talked about how if you don't Have that faith in good God, creator of the heavens and earth. You know, the very definition of good is God, Mm -hmm. and everything the opposite of that is evil, right? So it was interesting to hear Seth talk from that Christian perspective and to just have, like, he was so grounded. He was so grounded in the things that he was saying, you know, it just sounded confident and sure and true. Like, you had always described, like, this tree big and strong with its roots going down into the ground. Mm -hmm. That's what it was like. And Joe was saying so many good things, but then he would just go off the rails a little bit, you know? And it's because he was lacking that. Like he was able to see what was good and he was able to see what was right. And he was able to see what was true, but then he would go on to dissect it further. And it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, but you don't understand why that's good or Mm -hmm. right or true. And that doesn't negate the fact that he is trying to do things that are good and right and true, but I hope and pray that he gets to, to know who God is one day because that will just, I don't know, I just feel like it'll open up his mind and his heart so much. Like he has such a good understanding about a lot of these things already, yeah. but I feel like if he comes to know God at all, just click like, oh my goodness, yeah, this is why, <clears throat> this is why that's good. And this is why that's evil. You know, it was
0: really interesting. I have not listened to his podcast in quite some time, but when I do listen, it's almost every episode I have that same feeling like, oh man, yeah. like he gets it. And I'm like, nope, not quite He's there. so close, so close right? <gasps> Yeah. But so close, the conversations but he yet. has are very interesting. Like I, I will give oh, him credit for, sure. for not not uh, shying away from hard conversations with you Absolutely. Know, people he may or may not agree with. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was really Okay, on the morality
0: topic, Cecily sent me an article the other day on MAID, which I actually just asked her, I'm like, what does MAID even mean? Because I've just been calling it assisted suicide, which is what it is. But in Canada, there are laws, like, I guess, allowing for assisted suicide. Correct, Cecily? Yeah. So, and it's pretty wide open. Yeah, and MAID stands for medical assistance in dying, she informed me. Um, but anyway, these articles were pretty interesting and I mean, obviously a moral issue. So we're going to talk through that just a little bit. This might be something we get into, uh, later in a more deep manner, but we're at least going to touch on this because it's in the news a lot and it's pretty important topic.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know how we often talk about slippery slopes, right? (laughs) We talk about slippery slopes and this whole euthanasia thing made in Canada, it's a clear example of a slippery slope. And that article that I sent you today from the National Post, that actually really spoke to that. So here's a paragraph from near the beginning of that article. It says, it's a nightmare scenario that was envisioned by no shortage of ethicists and health figures when assisted death was first written into Canadian law. But with few exception, these warnings were ignored by the various court rulings that ultimately forced Canada into adopting the world's most permissive regime of legal euthanasia. Okay, so when we talk about slippery slopes, we have to realize that this is a real thing. Okay, so in Canada, they, as they were debating this whole assisted suicide thing, they had looked to other countries like Belgium where they had seen it follow that slippery slope. But... They decided that in Canada that their um, parameters around it would be more secure. And here they write, we should not lightly assume that the regulatory regime will function defectively. So they're saying basically we shouldn't assume that just because we have, you know, assisted suicide, that it'll be defective like it has been in other countries such as Belgium. Goes on to say the liberal dominated House of Commons was far less cavalier when it came time to encode assisted death into an act of parliament. The resulting legislation, Bill C-14, extended medical assistance in dying, known as MAID, only to competent adults whose deaths are reasonably reasonably foreseeable. So, I mean, this is me speaking, not the article. Even that is not very objective, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can see where there's holes in that. You can see where the slippery slope begins. Yeah. It goes on to say, this was done to defend the interests of vulnerable persons in need of protection, according to the bill which received support from 15 members of the conservative caucus during parliament parliamentary debates over the bill a non-partisan cross-section of mps spoke to their fears of green lighting an assisted suicide regime that could unwittingly extend to the disabled or the mentally ill the ndp's joe Comartin warned of mercy killings and this is from the ndp so this is saying a lot warned of mercy killings becoming a regular component of an Here we go with socialized medicine, you guys, of an underfunded Canadian healthcare system. The risk we have is sending a message to the country that life is expendable, that we are prepared to say that we do not care enough for people to take care of them. A conservative, Joyce Smith, raised the experience experience of Dutch bioethicist Theo Boer, an initial supporter of euthanasia in the Netherlands, who ultimately became a fierce critic when he saw it being applied well beyond rare cases of terminal illnesses or unbearable pain. He said, once the genie is out of the bottle, it is not likely to ever go back again. Around this time, even as polls showed more than 75% of Canadians to be in support of MAID, an internal poll by the Canadian Medical Association found that 63% of physicians would refuse to offer assisted death to a patient. One of them, John C. Wu. Wu Ton wrote in a letter to the Canadian Medical Association Journal that Maid's core issue was that it was 100% successful procedure with no way of telling whether it was a mistake. How scary is that? Yeah. Because few other medical acts can be accomplished with such impunity, we are likely to become more and more comfortable with it, right? Just like exposure to these things that we see on Instagram and more and more permissive as time goes by. Mm-hmm. But it was another court ruling that would once again push the envelope on Canada's assisted death regime. In the 2009 decision, decision ChuCon and Gladue versus Canada, the Quebec Superior Court ruled that extending assisted suicide only to Canadians with terminal illnesses was similarly a violation of the security of the person. Okay. Anyway, so you guys, it just goes on and we're going to get to a story about a veteran that had a run-in with this soon. But Rita, what are your thoughts on well, that? Well, at first... A question I meant to ask you the other day,
0: are mm-hmm. doctors allowed to not participate in this? That I don't actually know. Like I feel like we should try to get Okay, that's something a we need to look on. into. Um but yeah. You know, in some in some cases or for some things, I guess medical professionals are allowed to not participate in things that go against their religious beliefs or, you know, their belief systems in other cases, mm-hmm. which I wonder in Canada being A fully socialized system. If you're, you know, made to participate in any, um, I believe that they are procedure. So I believe that they are.
1: Yeah, I believe they are. But don't quote me on that. Like, and when you asked the question the first time, my first instinct was yes, they are. Um, and this is a major ethical issue. But just because I don't have that confirmation, yeah. I can't say for sure. But we will come back to this issue on a future podcast yeah. and we'll have more Because
0: Honestly, I feel like I have so much to say right now. But one thing that I found interesting at the very beginning of that excer- excerpt you read, um, what mm-hmm. they said, basically, like, we can do it better. It's basically like the arguments for communism and socialism. Like, oh, it won't be like that mm-hmm. here. You know, we'll do it. We'll do it the well, right exactly. way. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I'm just going to read another part. I scrolled down a little bit more and I was like, Oh, I can't miss this part. So this actually took place in Chilliwack BC, which is a town about half an hour from where I live, not even half an hour. Um, anyway, it says last June, the medical assistance and dying committee heard from Trish nickel, whose suicidal and severely mental ill brother, Alan was given assisted death at a Chilliwack BC hospital in 2019 at a time when maid was still limited only to Canadians with a terminal illness Alan had been taken by his family to the hospital only days before to recover from a psychiatric episode. And in the minutes before he received a lethal injection, oh my gosh, my heart just breaks for this family and the doctor that had to do this. Even if the doctor believed he was doing the right thing, my heart still breaks for him because one day he will know he didn't. But anyway, it goes on. Trish described Alan screaming uncontrollably, despite the hospital's assurances that he had opted for a medically assisted death while of sound mind. Okay. Let's just let that sink in. This man was screaming uncontrollably. And I know every inch of this hospital because I worked there. And so I can imagine this happening in such clear detail Mm -hmm. because I know that place. So it's like, I can see it happening in that environment. And I mean, just visually, I can see it. Mm -hmm emotionally, spiritually, I cannot even see this happening because it seems so far from the world that I knew and understood when I worked there. Yeah. Uh, This article, I think this is a different article that you sent me,
0: but it says Canadians Mm -hmm. are literally being compared to Nazis who weren't especially concerned with getting anybody's signature on a request for euthanasia with only a Mm half-assed explanation of why the law is as it is. Ching mentions or Chang mentions that assisted suicide was legalized after Canada's highest court declared outlawing assisted suicide deprive people of their dignity and autonomy and I sent you a message after reading that I'm like well assisted suicide isn't autonomous mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, and we could argue the dignity in it um, but yes, it's different than like the dignity, but keep going. Yeah. It's different than being put in a concentration camp, but it's yeah.
1: (laughs) The thing is they're doing, they're saying it's good, right? Here we are back at morality. They're saying it's good. Whereas anyone can look at a concentration camp now from our 22,000 and something lens Mm -hmm. and say, wow, that was horrifically evil right? But it's like people are too close to this issue because there were people back in the 1940s who were like, wow, these concentration camps are really good. We're really doing good with Mm -hmm. these things. You know, we're getting these people that are enemies of the regime. We're getting them out of the way. Yep, (laughs) This is good. But now, of course, we're removed from that. We can see that is bad. That is evil. And of course, people saw that it was bad and evil then too, but not everybody did. Yeah. Right. And now it's like we're doing this because We're good and we're compassionate and we're doing this the right way. But what's going to happen when we're further removed from it? That's what I think about that doctor too, the one that performed that lethal injection in Chilliwack hospital. Mm -hmm. Maybe he felt like he was doing the right thing then. And honestly, I hope he did just because I couldn't imagine doing that when I was against my conscience. And I hope and pray if it was against his conscience that he wouldn't have done it. But one day He's going to wake up in the middle of the night from that and be like, huh. Or one day if he doesn't wake up in the middle of the night from it, he's going to stand before the judgment seat and he's going to have to answer for that for a man screaming for his life and saying, well, right now he's out of his mind. But a, a little bit ago he was in his sound mind and he said, well, how do they know? How do they know it wasn't the other way around? That's the thing. Euthanasia is 100% effective. Yeah. And you will not know if you made the right decision. Well, and I would say there's, n- it's, from my perspective,
0: from our shared moral perspective, Mm -hmm. it's not a right decision, right? Um, No. And I think that that's clear probably to most people listening, but just in case it's not. Um, But the other thing that I had mentioned to you, Cecily, is there's always another, you know, there's always another option. Like Mm -hmm. there's a difference between withholding care Yes. And allowing for the natural process
1: of death to take place. So I think we. And of we, course, that's more tricky as far as mental health goes, because if you withhold. With care, mental health,
0: yes. But yeah, what, I'm just saying, like with terminal illness and all of that, like there's a difference yes. between yeah. withholding care, just like the abortion argument. You know, people will say, like, well, mm-hmm. a mother's life could be on the line, you know? And what are you going to do? You tell that mom that she has to you know, deliver this baby and her life is on the line. Well, she has to deliver the baby either way. So if the mother's Mm -hmm. life is on the line, you deliver the baby early and no, it might not live, but you've delivered a baby. You don't
1: have to chop
0: it up and kill it first. I know that's graphic, but like you don't have to do that because either way, it's just as much stress on the mother's body. Either way, you're delivering a baby, you know, um, and I would argue more stress, you know, knowing what happened and everything. But anyway, back to the assisted suicide. Um, mm-hmm. There's a difference in withholding care and allowing a natural process to take place with a terminal illness mm-hmm. or yeah. killing. There is a
1: difference. And there's – Yes. It's different. Oh, well, and this is where dignity comes into mm-hmm. right? Because – people, even people that have the same mindset as me, you know, they basically say when I get to that point or like I'm old and out of it or, you know, sick and a burden, like just lock me away. I don't want to be a burden. There's no dignity in that. I would argue differently though. Like I have spent a lot of time caring for elderly people and the most dignified People that I have seen at the end of life are the ones who understand that end of life is part of life. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. And they may have a diaper on at the end of their life. You know, that is dignified because you are accepting it and you are allowing it. And I don't know. I personally think that that is strong and brave and dignified. Mm -hmm. I think that that's more dignified than saying, I don't want to handle this. I can't handle this. It's too much of a burden. And I don't know what goes through a person's head that chooses assisted suicide. And I don't want to put words or thoughts in their mind because I I don't think that's respectful. But I'm speaking for the people that I have seen approach end of life with bravery and dignity, allowing the natural process to take Mm place. And yeah, there might be painkillers, pain meds that come in and actually maybe speed the process a little bit too, you know, like that does happen, Mm -hmm. but it's not a suicide. It's not an assisted suicide. It's managing symptoms. There's a difference between managing symptoms and allowing a natural process and administering medications that end a life.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I guess like my perspective here, so much on the opposite end, we have more of the I guess working in an ICU, I saw more of the prolonging of life to the absolute, mm. you know, right. It just, I mean,
1: artificial. Means oh, where of there was life. no
0: dignity, and it was so sad, mm. you know, so sad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the families really wanted it. Sometimes they were being pushed to it. Um, you know, I just told you a story the other day of you know, yes. one my one of my last patients I took care of, ECMO, open chest like, trying to die, and the doctor's Mm -hmm. like, oh, literally said to the patient, I think that we should – not to the patient, to the patient's family. Um, Yeah. I think that we should try to give this person at least 30 more days. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, my eyes bugged out of my head because he didn't even say it in, like, a shielded manner. He literally said 30 days, which 30 days gets – him off the like surgical mortality, you know, rate like it's that because this person had, yeah, had the surgery. patient yeah. yeah, and so I don't know anyway. Sometimes also discuss sometimes families you know want that often we have so much to offer in the medical world now um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you can keep people quote alive you know depending on your definition of life if yeah. it's just heart beating breathing um, right. for so so long. Um, mm-hmm. And families request that because we have such a skewed view of what life and living is. And like you said yes. so importantly, Cecily, is that many people can't accept that death is a part of life. It's the only guaranteed part yeah. of it, right? Well, and I think we're like kind of – we've like gotten drastically onto a different area. But this is so important. A little bit, and this And yeah. this is something I'm so passionate about. This is something I was so passionate about working in the ICU is just like – Dignified dying and understanding, you know, the value of life and what um, what living really looks like for someone. You know, because often these patients, th- this is totally an aside. But guys, if you have family members, most most people do have family members. Just talk to them, like adult family members, about what their wishes would be, and know that um, because almost. I would say probably 95% of the patients that landed in the ICU, fam- even really elderly people, families had never had a discussion about what they would want. They're like, Oh, I don't know. I mean, and I'm like, well, and, and then they just end up doing what they would want, you know, or maybe right. not what they would want for themselves even, but just that along the lines of thinking, I don't want to lose grandpa or I don't want to lose grandma. Or, I don't want to lose mom. Um, and so they would just mm-hmm. keep somebody alive put them on event, trach them, and they would go to event facility. And is this yeah. what this family member would have ever wanted? I don't know. Yeah. Potentially not. Likely not. It's not a quality of life. But people didn't mm-hmm. have the conversations to know. And so this is not what the podcast is about. But now I'm on another soapbox. <laughs> but I think it's really important. Important conversations so to important. have.
1: Well, an end of life is a very important time and it needs to be handled well it really does and people might listen to some of the things you just said and be like well that's exactly why you should be allowed to have assisted suicide because of those horrible situations but it's different because in those situations patients are being kept alive because of the wishes of family members or Mm -hmm. whatever but if if that supportive care was to be removed, they would die quickly. Exactly, they would die really quickly. That's
0: that was my point. Is like there needs to be educated dead, surrounding basically. the difference yeah. between withholding care that yeah. is prolonging life artificially and assisting suicide. Those are two totally different things.
1: Absolutely, because being on a ventilator um,
0: isn't a natural part of living, right?
1: No, so no. The reason you're on it is because you can't breathe. Yes. So, um, should I, should I play that thing or not? It is really good, but we kind of got off that train a little bit. Play Um, it and then we can wrap it up. Okay. Okay. So we did go a little bit all over the place there, but basically this is all about end of life, right? And I'm going to play a very disturbing news clip from Global News, actually, which is very liberal left-leaning news outlet in Canada. Do you guys have global news I don't think so down there no at okay, least so it's not Canadian. by that <laughs> no, I okay anyway um so I'm gonna play this and I won't explain it too much because it'll explain itself
2: when a Canadian veteran picked up the phone and called Veterans Affairs Canada to get treatment for his combat related PTSD and a traumatic brain injury he expected help getting better and getting his life back instead he got an unexpected and unwanted offer to help him end it through medically assisted death. Multiple sources have told Global News the veteran was shocked. The agent on the other end of the phone raised MAID as an alternative to treatment out of the blue. In a statement to Global News, VAC confirmed the allegation saying, the department was recently made aware of an incident involving a veteran client and a Veterans Affairs Canada employee where medical assistance in dying was discussed inappropriately. VAC deeply regrets what transpired. The incident has left the veterans community feeling betrayed by the department. I would have to listen to voices in my own head would tell me things like, turn your motorcycle in front of that 18-wheeler. What are you doing here? You're, you're, You're no good anymore. Toby Miller is a former special operations supporter, seriously injured in Afghanistan. He says the demoralizing effect of being offered death instead of treatment puts lives at risk with veterans who already feel they have lost their sense of purpose. Reinforcing that with an offer of made can really be a, a recipe for disaster for somebody who may already be suffering ideation or suicidal thoughts. Wounded Warriors Canada, a charity that helps injured vets, says they are deeply concerned by the incident.
1: So that's really, really sad. This is a veteran that has served in Afghanistan, who's been horribly injured, who's just looking for help, and what he's offered instead is death. And how can you not at that point think, well, it's just too expensive to keep him alive. Let's just offer him an alternative, you know? Yeah. And who? how do we
0: know this hasn't happened multiple other times, you know? That's just... <laughs> And we
1: don't know about it because they're not alive to tell. Right. Because if this man would have chosen made in that instance, Veterans Affairs Canada would never have apologized for it because they would have seen it as doing their duty. Right. But because he brought it to the media and because he shone a light on it, they're forced to apologize for that agent's inappropriate handling of it. But can you even say that it was inappropriate handling because in Canada that man, what he presented, those are reasons apparently to be approved for assistance. Yeah, according suicide. to the law, right? That's right. So it's basically like, well, we got caught in this and people find it unsavory. So let's apologize. But if he would have taken them up on their offer, it would have been like, we've done our duty. Ugh. Anyway, guys, this is just a a really morally slippery slope that they're almost at the bottom of the slide. In fact, maybe they are at the bottom of the slide. And this is why it's so important that you have an understanding of what is morality really? Mm -hmm. What is good really? What is evil really? And how do you know that? This is what I put on Instagram the other day. If you cannot answer those questions, you need to seek out those answers, okay? We can't just live life kind of like doing our thing, not thinking it through too much, expecting that other people will take care of these things. You have to, doesn't mean you have to know everything or you have to have all the answers for everything. No one ever will. But these are the biggest questions in life. So whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, you need to understand or at least try to seek out the answers to... Where does morality come from? How do I know what's truly good? How do I know what's truly evil? And how do I uphold what's good and honor that?
0: Yeah. Like I said to you the other day, Cecily, I think the smartest people argue with themselves daily. Like you need to be having these arguments in your head. Um, It really just helps you understand these questions that Cecily is asking you to answer when you're able to just like contemplate
1: often these hard subjects. So I read in Proverbs this morning, it's Proverbs 25, verse 2. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. So to me, that searching things out, that's talking about stuff like this, right? Mm -hmm. Search out, search things out. Um, Don't be a sluggard. Like Proverbs talks a lot about sluggards who just kind of exist, right? We don't want to be that. That's not a good thing. It's not a good look. It's condemned. Um, We need to be searching things out. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate the community that has been built through this podcast. Um, If you like listening to the podcast and would be willing to leave us a review, we would be so grateful. They really do help the podcast to grow, to get into the ears of more people, and that is like, like Rita said last time, it's a free way to help us. And, and we would be so appreciative. You can also check out our community, theboomclapcommunity.com. We meet live the second Monday of every month. So that's coming up in a few weeks. So if you are interested in that, please do check out theboomclapcommunity.com to figure out how you can be a part of that. We would love to see you over there. You can also find us outside of the podcast. I'm on Instagram at cecily.dickey or my website, thegracetogrow.com. And you can find me, Rita, at RitaRogersCo.com or RitaRogersCo on Instagram. Thanks
0: for listening.